0: Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Today, I sit down with Jasmine and Mark, a husband and wife team over at Otis Interiors. Otis Interiors offers a design build approach that is truly integrated service for their clients. The collaboration of design and build functions means a more unified flow of work from initial concept right through to completion. Now for my conversation with Jasmine and Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jasmine. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having us, Spencer.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys. I always get excited when it's a husband-wife team or you've got like the different dynamics of relationships, family and business, you know, melded together. But I guess kick us off, you know, Jasmine, where, where are you guys located? What's the company name and kind of what kind of projects are you guys doing these days?
1: Yeah, so we are talking to you today from Guelph, Ontario. So we're based in Canada. It's maybe about 45 minutes, an hour outside of Toronto, West West Coast there, west side. And we are Otis Interiors. So Mark and I, we co own our company. We are a husband and wife led team and we focus on interior renovations, specifically kind of multi room, multi faceted, where, you know, we typically have kind of main floor focus and then it might spill into a portion of the upstairs. We're kind of like multi level renovations is really our core. And then we do have a small decorating arm of our firm as well. So we focus on furnishings so that we can be this kind of Really full solution for our clients, so that we can take them from concept to completion, including furnishing as well.
0: Cool, right on. I know you guys are a relatively new company, but w- when did you start the company, and and why? You know, what was the the impetus behind it? I guess.
2: Okay, so we're a three and a half year old company. We started March twenty nineteen. It's been a bit of a whirlwind since then, given you know global events and just the stresses and everything that comes with starting a new company. Reason we got into business for ourselves, working for builders for the last decade, decade and a half. Jasmine was working in a career as I was kind of moving my way up through the residential construction industry. And increasingly more and more, she just kind of became interested in the work that I was doing and bringing home or talking about at home. So she started taking courses online in the evenings for interior design and she would start picking up her own clients and she'd come to me inevitably and say hey i've got this little project you know we need to swap out these light fixtures the homeowners want to put a few pot lights in or these plumbing fixtures need to be swapped who do i call or can you recommend anybody and so i'd start throwing out names of of trades that i'd worked with and that i trusted and after a few of those requests we just kind of started joking back and forth and saying hey like if we're going to be burning the midnight oil doing this together anyways, why don't we just start our own company and do this in earnest? And, you know, a few months of joking back and forth lended itself to a little bit more serious conversation and idea development. And long story short, three and a half years later, here we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And so how did you guys come up with the, the company name and kind of the, <laughs> the origin story there?
2: That's a really good one that I'm going to let Jasmine answer because (laughs) she is the brains and the creativity effectively behind our entire brand, to be honest, but especially the name. So, Jasmine, it's all yours.
1: That one was tough because we were trying to figure out what to call ourselves. And we knew we wanted it to be, you know, like just very short and sweet and easy to, to remember. And a lot of companies I find like they use their first and their last names and they become this like long winded, can barely, you know, pronounce some of the names that are out there. And for whatever reason, we were just kind of toying around with ideas. And I said, what if we called it Otis? And basically, Zito, which is Mark's last name, we just took the, the last four letters, and we flipped it and turned it into Otis. And... It just kind of stuck. Like it made sense. It was short and it was sweet. And it wasn't, you know, like Esposito construction and design. And we felt like it was just easy for people to remember. And we just started, we started referring to the business as Otis. And yeah, we haven't really looked back since.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Super common to, yeah. And nothing wrong with putting the name, you know, the last name on it. And I know there's a lot of good reasons for that, but that's a cool way to incorporate the name, but have it be a little bit different too. So.
1: Yeah. We wanted to, to still have, uh, you know, that kind of family connection piece because we did start it together and, and this kind of what it turned into. So yeah. It's yeah. For
2: we're, we're being fair, there's enough Italian builders in Guelph, Spencer, <laughs> that we we felt we wanted to differentiate ourselves in the market a little bit. We didn't need an <laughs> Italian last name building co. or Esposito and Sons. And so Jasmine has a really great vision for the brand, and so I've just let her her run with it. You know, from from naming it to to brand colors and everything, and she's done, in my opinion, a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like it. Well, starting a business is no no easy task. I'm curious, like year one. What do you think were some of the bigger hurdles or challenges that you guys faced starting things up? I can
2: jump in and provide a little bit of insight, Jazz. And I'd like to see what you yeah. think about this and you can add to it or tell me <laughs> I'm I'm wrong. But you know, we are a true design-build company, Spencer, in that we have both legitimate interior design and construction capacity in-house under one roof. We are the same company, but they are two different business units of the same company. And so figuring out how to incorporate and work, create some congruency between both of those business units, especially at first was a challenge because as you're trying to develop a company and create a brand that stands for something, be it quality or a particular design style, obviously you need a portfolio in order to be able to sell that moving forward. But as a new company, we're really limited with what our portfolio was, what we're able to showcase. And so finding clients at the beginning that truly bought into the design build process was challenging because obviously, you know, we needed to generate revenue. We needed to find work so that we could pay ourselves so that we could create and run a sustainable and established business. But in order to do that, especially at the beginning, you just kind of needed to take whatever was coming to us. And we were very fortunate in that we've got a strong network of family and friends that, that were very generous with the work that they threw our way, but it wasn't necessarily always completely in line with our business model. And so growing, but trying to stay true to the, the idea of a company that we wanted to start was challenging. And I think now, not to say that we're there or comfortable with where we are, but we're starting to see it more and more that the leads we're getting and the work that's coming to us seems to be more in line with our business model. So yeah, it seems as if the hard work has and is paying off, but that's been a challenge.
1: I remember one very, very early on, and it seemed to be this like you know really great project that we both really wanted and it it was just like a kitchen kind of with you know main floor, you know, small updates to maybe scraping ceilings and new hardwood flooring. And it was our first kind of like, oh my gosh, I think we're, we're breaking into something here. And we had really great meetings with the homeowners, and it really came down to the homeowners said to us, "Like we really, really like you guys. We just we don't know the work that you've done or that you're capable of, and we just want to go with somebody more experienced." Mm -hmm. And in the moment, it like hurt so much because we were working so hard to even just trying to get that one job up and running. But at the same time, I don't think we were ready for it. And so, blessing in disguise. And we we didn't kind of let that knock us down. We were just like, that's okay. It's good feedback. And it helped us understand like what homeowners were really after. And it just helped us focus on continuing to do the work and putting focus into what what we were trying to accomplish at our core. And, you know, a couple of years fast forward, I actually feel like we're making some momentum. So it hurt in the moment getting that, you know, no, we don't want to work with you. But I know now we're, we're much better off because it kind of helped us Forage our path and just focus on what was important at the time and kind of keep your nose to the ground and keep working and, and things will happen eventually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's so interesting. I mean, those first few clients, it seems like, are always the tough ones because you don't have anything to to point to, you know, even if you've done the work, you've had yeah. different things, but when you're starting something new, people want to see that. So yeah, glad you guys pushed through that. I'm also curious, you know, it sounds like you came from. Both different careers coming into this business. Business ownership is, is different than working for somebody else. So is there anything that's really surprised you about owning your own business? Well, that could be a I podcast a in and of itself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's different. Like You always kind of think you know what it's going to be like, but then you're actually in it, living and breathing it. And you're like, oh, this is actually what people are talking about. So I think the, the big thing that stands out to me is that you don't really have a turn off button. Mark and I talk about this a lot with each other but you know when you work for other people whether it be corporate or you know in construction industry not that they clock in and clock out but they kind of do because they put you know everything on hold in the evenings and that time is is kind of sacred and it's theirs and I feel like because we own the business there is not always a turn off button and it's like really really hard to to turn that side of your brain off because you are literally the business for so long until you know you hire your first employee, until you start growing a team. And then some of that can start to subside a little bit. But I think that's the biggest thing for me is that there is no turn off button. You're just kind of always on, always connected and always thinking about some aspect of your business, even if it's in a small way.
0: How about you, Mark? Yeah. Anything that surprised you? I mean, every day something surprises me, Spencer, which
2: I think is is part and parcel of growing a business. I would say starting a business and growing a business are two completely different things now that we're trying to scale our business and find our sweet spot, like... You know we've got no desires to be amatomy homes like I, I don't need to be a national or international volume builder that's not the goal here but the goal is to build a team that we can rely on that we count on to do the volume of work and the scope of work that, that jasmine and i are excited to do and that you know hopefully our team is excited to do as well and so you know HR is is interesting just dealing with different people and personalities and bringing employees yeah. on is its own challenge yeah you know and I I started my career as a plumber's apprentice and as pardon if this, sounds a little crass but I was told two things on day one that you know shit rolls downhill and payday is Friday and as a business owner I can tell you that it's the inverse right in our line of work it all rolls uphill and payday might be Friday if you're doing well and all your employees got paid first yeah. right and so you know it's just a whole different set of worries especially when you get to the management level like I got into this industry because I enjoy working with my hands. I love the value that we can bring to people's lives and the tangible aspect of the work that we do. You know, At the end of the day, I can literally step back and take a look and I can take a photo and I can compare that to a photo from eight in the morning. And there's a physical, tangible difference from the work site that I was working on from 8am to 4pm. And that's great. But now as the business owner, and as we're bringing more people on to pull out our team, I'm on the tools less and less. And so the reasons that I got into the business aren't necessarily... What I'm doing today. And so trying to reconcile how that all fits with what I want to do as a career and long term has been a bit of a challenge as well. And just kind of something I think you'll always be wrestling with, right? As the the business is always growing in some capacity. Growing doesn't need to mean you're bringing on more employees per se, right? But if you're not growing, you're dying. And so growing, evolving, We're always trying to fine tune the business and just figuring out what direction to take it in or what direction we want to take it in. That's been an interesting challenge as well because you realize sooner or later, like we're the ones in the driver's seat, right? Like to Jasmine's point and Spencer, you mentioned it about just getting up and grinding every day and you just, you have to keep pushing forward. We're getting to the point now where we're proactively directing that ship. So head down, moving forward, but we're trying to put a little bit more effort into guiding it to where we want it to go. Whereas in the first year, especially you're just like, yeah, you want to pay me to do something, I'll do it. You want me to build a chicken coop, a dog house, doesn't matter. I will do it if you're going to pay me money for it. Yeah, yeah. and now it's like, okay, we've got that portfolio. We have a team of people. They're really really good at doing this. Let's push ourselves to do more of that.
0: Yeah, it yeah. sounds like making that transition from survival to like guiding, you know, and that's a natural evolution.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that it was classic case of you wear all the hats as the business owner. Until you come to a point where you're like probably almost gonna break. And then you're like, something's not sustainable here. So we may might need to hire. And then I think, you know, over the last little while, especially this year, we've really put a focus on trying to iron out roles and trying to stick with those because we don't wanna wear all the hats anymore. And we found some really great team members that we brought on that are fully capable. So it's also like finding. And realizing you can let it let a let some of that control away, even though we're still guiding the ship. But it feels nice to be able to to take a step back and not wear as many hats anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm also curious about the husband-wife dynamic in the business. Yeah, I guess how have you guys like divvied up your roles within the business? And then I'm curious to, like how you go about making decisions.
2: Really good will, question overall. Yeah,
1: you know what? This one's actually been pretty easy in some ways for Mark and I because our skill sets are different but very complementary. And so I would say on the construction side of things, like Mark is our construction manager, he's definitely more on the operations front overall as from from the high level kind of perspective of the business. And naturally, I kind of guide our design team and and take care of more of like the marketing and the sales. So our roles were probably easier to divide than maybe some couples would see but for us i found that it came pretty naturally just to kind of find what we were good at and stick with that and decision making i find is not bad either because we do make decisions a lot based on the direction of what we want to take on for projects and who we're working with and who we bring on to the team so we're pretty collaborative and we have always been so it's pretty complementary that way where mark and i have a pretty good open You know, we shoot messages back and forth constantly throughout the day. We're trying to get better at actually like penciling in like meetings for us just to the two of us connect on, you know, any type of business topic that we really need to cover so that we are making decisions together. And I think that's the core because if if one person was making decisions on their own without consulting the other, I think you can run into issues that way. But we're super respectful of the roles that we each have in that, I trust Mark to make certain decisions where I don't always need to be around for things like on the operations front or if he's talking to our accountant. I trust him to make certain decisions on his own and then high level will make them together and then vice versa. Like he's happy to defer to me for, you know, sales and marketing strategies and obviously design is is kind of what I do with our team. So we kind of have our roles and we're pretty set in that and I have found it's worked pretty well and pretty seamlessly, but No doubt, we always have little arguments pop up here and here, here and there. Like we are human, and the husband-wife dynamic is interesting because you're really you're full on in into everything, right? Like you are running a business and a life together. So the separation is probably the hardest. I don't know if Mark would agree, but that's what I would say, kind of overall.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I pretty much completely agree with everything you said as it relates to like how we define roles and how we make decisions and. Understanding that I had complete trust and faith in Jasmine before we got into the business together obviously helps, right? You've you've just got that shared history, you know. I'm a little biased, but I do happen to like Jasmine's design aesthetic too, so that makes things really easy as it relates to just approving decisions on marketing materials, or you know, I, I trust Jasmine's judgment on the design side of things. But yeah, separating work and and the rest of our lives is increasingly more difficult because we do live and work together, and so you know, like you know, we got a little little boy and you're bathing him, getting him ready for bed and inevitably the talk turns to work talk, right? You're like, okay, how did we get here? Like, I'm trying to just read my son a story to put him to bed, but we're talking about the tile that I need to pick up tomorrow or the faucet (laughs) that we need to exchange. And it's just, it's great because we both enjoy what we do. So sometimes you don't even realize you're having that conversation, but then other times you're like, wow, all we talk about is work because it just happens to naturally flow that way. So over the last, I'd say really six months in earnest, but over the last year, we've tried to put an emphasis on consciously removing ourselves from work. You know, a couple nights a week, we won't do any work at night or we'll just you know, try to have a TV and veg out night. Or, you know, we're starting to plan weeks off. You know, right now we're talking about taking yeah. a week off in July and whether or not we shut the company down for a week or we put things in place that it can run without us for the week. It is what it is. We'll figure that out. But the point is we need to consciously take time to decompress and remove ourselves from the situation because the situation is our lives. And if we don't make efforts to proactively get out of it, it'll just become all consuming at all times. And that weighs on you. It it just, it grinds you down. You don't notice it until you're too far into it that you're burnt out or overwhelmed or whatever it is. But if you do not take steps, we've found anyways, if you do not take steps to consciously try to unplug, for lack of a better word, then it will take over, and so we really try to put some some serious thought into how we can do that more proactively throughout the year moving
1: forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I feel Go fortunate ahead. that we we work with a business coach who obviously gives us some really great insight. Brian Kaplan on that too. He's been you know a great sounding board, and we are lucky enough to have quite a few friends locally that also are their own business owners. And so it's, it's sometimes I think can feel isolating when you're trying to do this and maybe none of your friends run their own business and they don't necessarily know what it's like. And you don't really have a lot of people to talk to, but we feel fortunate enough that we do have a a handful of friends locally who run their own businesses and we're able to use them as sounding boards and it is nice to have. So we've picked up tips from them and hopefully we've shared tips back with them too. And we try and help each other out and just helps kind of bring yourself out of what you're working in and gives you some perspective again, which is awesome. And I think that's probably just like a big thing that I would try and echo to other people is try and find your your tribe, so to speak, and and learn from them and figure out what will work best for you in your business taking like positive strides to find that balance because it's not always easy to find.
0: Yeah, well, and you're, you're in great hands with Brian Kaplan. He's a good friend of mine as well. And yeah, he's he's awesome. He knows his stuff. So <laughs> uh, absolutely. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems and... I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint, and you can pick up a copy by going to the website remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online, but I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. so. It would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes. If you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to RemodelerMarketingBlueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. So there's always like a crazy project, wacky client story, something like that in construction. Anything coming to mind that you guys can share? Obviously you can leave out personal details and that sort of thing.
2: Oh, there, there's a few. There always sure are. Most, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you know, we've got a typical Christmas Eve story that we could share where, you know, we, we don't make promises on schedule completion dates, especially as it relates to major holidays. Just because you're setting yourself up for failure, in my experience. And especially the last you know, 18 months or so with supply chains and, and material availability and whatnot. It's just scheduling has been so so out of whack that we haven't really been able to promise you know super tight deadlines on certain things. Because we don't want to over-promise and underdeliver. deliver yeah. But last year, we were working on a full main floor gut kitchen remodel. And just the way the the schedule lined up, it looked like cabinets were going to be installed like, what was it? The 13th of December, I think, Chaz? Yeah. And so, you know, cabinet install was going to start the 13th. It was scheduled to run to the 17th of December. And so based on the layout, I think we were calling our countertops measure in for like the 15th or 16th of December. And just with their schedule, they had scheduled countertop install for after Christmas into the new year. Well, the homeowner, I believe him or his wife had a connection with another countertop company and he had spoken to this connection. And this person had promised them that if they got in to measure on the 15th, they could have the countertop installed by the 23rd of December. And so one, they took the countertop out of our scope, which isn't something that we like for a number of reasons we would prefer to keep everything in house if we're going to manage the project we prefer to do it from beginning to end and and you know if you know brian then you know that that's his approach and there are a number of very prudent reasons to do that but you know given the stresses of the holiday season and and whatnot we acquiesced and we you know allowed the the homeowner to move forward with their own connection but as these things do It just, it caused more stress on them because now they were owning a part of the project and they had deadlines that they needed to meet. So their stress ramped up to a 12 out of 10. It's the week before Christmas. They were also fitting them in on the install because they had a personal connection. So... It was like four o'clock on the 23rd and they still weren't there for the install. And the homeowner was pacing back and forth because he had committed to his whole family that they were hosting Christmas dinner in their new kitchen. Oh boy. And and so at 530 on the 23rd, they were, finally, they show up with the countertop, they get it installed. We coordinated our plumbers to be back for fixture hookup in the afternoon on the 24th, because obviously silicone needs to cure they were both undermount sinks the whole nine yards long story short they were able to connect the sink on the island but the powder room vanity still wasn't cured enough to be able to install fixtures and whatnot so long story short santa came at you know three o'clock on christmas eve hooked up their sink and they did have christmas dinner at their house i believe and all is well that ends well but if i never have to repeat that process in my life i'll be happy (laughs) Fair enough. We,
1: we like did not sleep all of December because <laughs> just gearing up for that. But yeah, they were the last, the very last delivery before Christmas. It was just wild.
0: Yeah, I don't know how you could squeak another one in there. So <laughs> yeah. it
2: was it was unbelievable. Like it was like a five day turnaround on measure to getting the countertop cut out and installed. It was the last install of the day before their holiday shutdown. Our plumbers were the last install of the day before their holiday shutdown. And, um, you know, it ended up working out, but wouldn't advise it. Yeah. We've, yeah. (laughs) We've
1: never been able to turn something around so quickly. So I'm like impressed that it happened, but yeah, we were trying to pull all the stops. Every partner we knew were like, can you turn around faster? Can you turn around faster? And it was just like, no, 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 no. So it ended up going in, everything was good, but it was very stressful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because obviously you wouldn't want to do it that way every time. Certainly not, you know, the best experience all the way through, but it is also a weird thing on like the power of a deadline, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and a hard deadline, right? Like not a, yeah. we would like to hit this date. So it's always fascinating, but that's a, that's a good story. So I got a couple of questions to wrap us up. I'm curious, what does the, the future look like for you guys? You've been running three, four years, somewhere in there. What do the next three, four years look like?
2: My goodness, that's a good question, Spencer. You know, the first three years have been a whirlwind, just as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, given global current events happening. I think our one-year anniversary coincided with the world shutting down, like literally. So that we were like, oh, we made it one year. Maybe there won't be a a year two. But now that we're three and a half years in, we're looking into another global event, be it a recession or an economic slowdown. And so I'm not sure how to answer that question. We're optimistic. You you have to be, I think, as an entrepreneur, the optimistic, right? It needs to be based in some sort of reality because you don't want to get into that gambler's fallacy and your sunken costs. And you're like, well, we've been in it for so long. Let's just keep riding it out. But I do think that we've positioned ourselves in the market now, especially with the designs that Jasmine and her team have been allowed to implement over the past couple of years or year and a half. We are positioning ourselves well to be a trusted, renovation and design partner in our area moving forward and so you just hope that we have enough goodwill and enough sound business built up that we can you know weather whatever storm comes ahead in the the relatively near future and thinking long term i don't know i think we're still trying to figure that out do we want to continue to increase the size and scope of our projects and maybe essentially get into building spec building or custom building or whatnot or do we just really, really want to double down and become really the premier renovator in our area? There are a few companies that I aspire to in our area. Some you know, older brother companies, if you will, that we look up to. They've got a mm-hmm. 5, 8, 10-year head start on us. And so it's not to say that we're not where they are because we can't get there. We're just a few business cycles behind them, although what they do is extremely impressive. You know, you look at it and Jasmine and I kind of see it as a challenge as opposed to an overwhelming hurdle, if that makes sense. Right. You're like, there's no reason that we can't do what company A, B and C does. They're there. We can get there. There's enough room in the market in our area to have two companies like that. Why can't we be there as well? And so I know that wasn't really an answer. I just kind of gave you a little bit of (laughs) of five different buckets. But I I think it's just to say that we're trying to be flexible. We're trying to not pigeonhole ourselves. And we're trying to let the market and our team really dictate where we want to go. And that's another reason that I do want to stay relatively small is so that we can have some level of flexibility and agility within our company.
1: Yeah. I'm going to jump in too and say, I think what our goals were when we first started the business are vastly different from where they are now. And I think that's just normal as a business owner because you know you spend every year kind of evaluating how the last year went and where you want to go and i'm really proud of how much we've grown we have done probably the most growth in the last year both in terms of just like actually getting our name out there in the community people being able to trust us with projects and growing our team as well and i think our goal for at least the the short term is kind of just finding that stability point where We have enough people on our team, we're finding our groove and our sweet spot with projects. We've had enough history now with the projects that we've taken on to start to identify like, what do we really, really like? And what do we want to start saying no to? Because they just don't align with what Mark and I are into. And subsequently, our, you know, interests and skill set as well. So it's an interesting place to be because we're, we're still looking at growing. But I don't necessarily think that means in numbers, it just might mean in you know scope of work and getting really aligned with what we want to be doing and continue doing it really, really well. Because we don't really want to be massive. Quality is super important to us and the oh. level of customization that we have on the design side, because it kind of trickles into how we implement on the construction side. And being able to really like curate things well for our homeowners, I think is really what's important to us. So we just want to kind of keep tabs on that and use that as the guiding light versus coming up with all these great, big, grandioso plans and then realizing like, do we actually really want that? Let's take this a step at a time and just focus on what we're enjoying right now. And then eventually, you know, that will evolve into something else. Otis 2.0, Otis 3.0. We don't know, but that's kind of where we are in our journey. So. Just to kind of piggyback on Mark said, I kind of see that being where we are today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's kind of the fun of it too, is, you know, figuring it out as you go along. You have like a general vision, but then the like, the short midterm changes a lot. All right. So, Mark, Jasmine, wrap us up. Other remodelers listening, you know, maybe leave them with parting words of wisdom or final piece of advice. What do you want to pass along?
2: A theme that came up a few times throughout the podcast that I'd like to reiterate is, you know, life is a grind. And I don't say that with any negative connotation, but running a business, like success breeds itself in getting up every day and just moving forward and trying to improve on what you did yesterday. And if we can make tomorrow a little bit better than today, then a month from now, we're going to be 30 days better. And a year from now, we're going to be 365 days better. And so it's not about implementing these huge gargantuan changes that are going to wholesale have 180 effect on your company overnight, but it's about not giving up and understanding why you got in a business in the first place and what motivates you to do so and just continuing to try to implement that in your day-to-day as you go forward. Because if you let it, it can become overwhelming and it can grind you down. But perseverance and not giving up, I've found, have been our strongest attributes thus far. There have been a number of times where you're like, is it really worth it? You kind of give it some time and you just keep moving forward. And hopefully with hindsight, you're like, yeah, it is worth it. We may need to change this or revise this, or deviate on our course a little bit, but just keep going. You got to play the long game. That would be my... you know, To synthesize all of that, just you got to play the long game. And it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It was never intended to be. So you really need to enjoy what you're doing for what it is, so that you continue to enjoy it moving forward, in my opinion.
0: I like it. I like it. How about you, Jasmine?
1: I think I've got two things that I might want to say. One is... This industry is so fast paced and things just change very quickly on the drop of a dime. I was just saying before the show like Mark and I are like two ships passing in the night, right? So we're just always, you know, jumping from one place to the next. And as sometimes bad news happens, right? So I think it's really important for us to always just keep perspective and celebrate small wins as they come because a lot of Unfortunate news, you know, or, you know, changes happen on the fly and you have to deliver that to clients or suppliers or whoever. But if you can kind of keep a balance with balancing all the, you know, bad stuff out, celebrate small wins. So if it's like, great, our deliveries on time, that is a small win that I'm going to take right now. Because that's going to help balance out all the, you know, other challenges to come. So no matter how small of a, a thing it seems, just celebrate it and know that it you're getting one step closer to either, you know, finishing out a project or moving on to something bigger. And then the second thing is maybe a bit focused more on just like process, but Working on your business, I think, as you go versus making it this big to do where you have to like sit down and do it all the time and, and do time blocking to really dedicate like large chunks of time. It's like if you think something could be done differently, change it on the fly and implement it in the moment because that still supports your like long-term goals and it actually makes things happen faster in terms of change and growth because you're doing it in the moment and you're not waiting to defer it for you know, another period of time or, you know, when you can actually sit down and dedicate the work because it's hard to do that when things are so busy. So make small changes on the fly and that'll support your kind of long-term plans as a whole. Yeah.
0: Progress over perfection. I like it. Well, Mark, Mark, Jasmine, really appreciate you guys joining me today. And thanks for sharing your story with us.
1: Thanks so much for for having having us
2: on. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Spencer. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.